welcome, welcome. Welcome back again. This is episode 16 of the Fire This Time podcast. Giving you them flames. Yeah. Giving you them flames. My How name is Sonny Teray. And I'm Akita G. And uh, yeah, we, we happy to be back. We know we took a, a little hiatus. Yeah. Gone about two weeks, you know what I'm saying? A little, a little, a little vacation and stuff. Had a lot of work to do. Outside uh, other organizational work, you know. Yeah, organizing work, school work, traveling, and also, uh, you know, just just making sure you know we can deliver the best show possible as we're gonna try to do today. So uh, with that, just uh, let's just uh, give people a reminder. If you're here with us already, make sure you liking, you sharing the uh, the podcast. You know what I'm saying? Big us up. You know what I'm saying? Instagram, Facebook. You can check us out. Fire this time pod You know We always keep it heat You know We need your likes We need your shares You know Even drop a little message In there for content So you know what I'm saying We can maybe tackle Some of the things That you want to talk about Yeah But uh Yeah Our biggest task You know We're just gonna keep on Coming weekly With that flame With that heat And uh So this week Uh What we're gonna be talking about Is um uh, first off, we're gonna talk about uh, the Ice Cube situation. Oh yeah, wow. yeah, the situation. Yeah, because uh, there's a ho- <laughs> there's a whole lot of uh, controversy right now about uh, what Ice Cube is trying to do with his contract for Black America. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the other topic we're gonna talk about is also uh, we're gonna keep it on on the election a little bit, just as the November third uh, election draws near. Coming, but, it's coming. Yeah, we're gonna have a conversation about um, George Jackson's idea of fascism, systemic fascism, yes. and uh, some of the discourse uh, surrounding the election right now, and uh, you know the black vote, and you know. So even though we know he a fascist, oh, talking about Trump, Trump a fascist. Yeah, but I mean, we also live in a pretty systemically fascist society. Exactly. So we're gonna we're gonna talk about you know uh, uh, all that discourse, all that all that shit. So with that being said, um, we also going to start things off this week's fire with a uh, a special guest. This is a very special episode, episode 16. Yes. So uh, take it away, Aki. Go on and introduce our guest today. You know, this day's uh, fire, or this week's fire, you know, we having a guest for the first time that we've been wanting to have on, you know, one of our close homies, um, the great MC, Reese the G. That's what I like mm-hmm. to call him. So but say, we got Reese in the house. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Say it up to the people, Reese. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you. Hello. Hello. Excuse me. Hello, everybody. And it, it is an honor to be here. It truly is an honor to be here. That's what's up. That's what's up. We got a. We got one of those flame MCs up in here today. You know. You might have to, you know, play some of his track or something somewhere. Oh, yeah, yeah. For the interlude, we're going to throw on some Reese for sure, for sure. Uh, But uh, to start things off, like we said, you know, the brother Reese is a hip-hop artist. You know what I'm saying? He's also, you know, resident of uh, the Champagne community. Long-time resident, right, brother? Yeah. So, uh, you know, we we talk a lot about politics. We talk about a lot about local, national politics uh, on here. So it's always good to bring in a perspective that is, uh, you know, maybe not as tuned into the movement or, you know, involved in the movement as me and Aki. But, but it's, it's still involved our... in the grass. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he said involved He's in the in grass. in the grass. So, uh, you know, th- this is definitely a perspective I feel like is needed, you know what I'm saying, uh, from from our brother Reese. So to start things off, Reese, you know, talk, talk, talk to the people about how you got introduced to hip-hop. You know what I'm saying? What was the atmosphere of hip-hop when you was coming into the game? You know what I'm saying? And, uh, yeah, go, go on and give a little rundown to the people of, uh, how, you know, how you got introduced to hip-hop. 
That's a great question. Well, it started, man. I never forget. I'm just gonna. I could give you two answers, but I'm gonna stick to the short answer. And when I say I could give you two answers, because it really started in my grandma's kitchen. Uh, they had like this little radio, and my granddad always played jazz. And then when I would go in the basement, I got some older cousins that you know they would play Rick James or. Or, you know, the Double Dutch bus or, you know, that nature. Then my mom, she was a huge Isaac Hayes and Curtis Mayfield fan, you know. And then I got aunties. They listened to the Sister Sledge and, you know. So I was just always around music. But when I was in grammar school at John D. Shoot in Chicago, that's where I was born, even though I live in Champaign now. But uh, it was in uh, fifth no, sixth grade, Mrs. Tafoya class. Class got out at 2.30. So from 2.15 to 2.30, she would let us do like a little talent show. So what I did is I wrote a Flintstone rap, and my dad actually helped me write it too. And after I wrote the Flintstone rap in sixth grade, then it progressed. In eighth grade, at the same school, we did a self-destruction for the uh, uh, school assembly. You know, and it it was dope. And then after that, in high school, I'm starting to battle people. And well, actually, my first battle was actually in fifth grade, and I still talk to the guy I battle. But that's how I started. That so was that, real, that was when the confidence built up right there. So, we start battling people. Like so real quick, Reese, I hate to age you on here, but I'm, I'm but what what year are you in high school battling for? Oh my goodness! Well, I went to high. My first year of high school would be uh, ninety. Yeah, in 1990. And I and, oh, and it wasn't successful, man. I met the the great, the great Diagony, <laughs> and I remember a cat named Reagan. Reagan, man, he talked about me from uh, we was on a basketball team from Morgan Park to Whitney Young. That's a nice little ride. And he was freestyling off the top, and Diag they was they used to battle up. Yeah, man, I came up in that whole little. Hey, that's what's so, up. That's how you swap and you swore. Yeah. So, so Reese, real quick, you mentioned uh, the first rap that you you wrote was the Flintstone rap. Yeah, you remember that rap? I do. Go on. <laughs> can you can you get that to the people real quick? Just <laughs> just uh, show people. So this, this is in the eighties, right? You wrote this and you penned so this, this one. This is eighty. I'm about to give you the exact year. If I graduated in eighty nine, yeah, this is eighty six. So your first round of 86? 85, 85 or 86. I'm going to say 86, but it could be 85 if my math is wrong. First rap that Reese ever did. And, and I want to credit my dad because he helped me write it. Yeah, this is the first one. Yabba dabba 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 do with his friend, one with Pebbles and Dino too. And yes, Fred's best friend, a Barney Rubble. All they ever do is to get into trouble. Then one, uh, uh, hold on, let me rewind it. One time, y'all, Fred was in the movie, something, 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 thought he was groovy. Mr. Slay said, I don't think so. Now, no, all right, hold on, let me rewind that. <laughs> Let me remind you, it's been a long time. We talking 86. Hold on. Give me one second. Yabba dabba 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 do with this Fred Wimble Pebbles and Dino too. Uh, yes, Fred's best friend. A Barney Rubble. All they ever do is to get into trouble. Yes, once upon a time, Fred 
Once upon a time, Fred wanted to go to a movie, but Fred, once upon a time, Fred, Fred and Wimble went to a movie, but Fred really thought that he was groovy. So I don't, I don't even remember. I can't remember. You ain't got to. I already got the thing yeah, of it. Yeah. Though. Yeah, I can't. Man, I'm mad as hell because I used to get kick it, but I ain't. I don't think so. Hey, now, take hey. me to dinner at the CS show. And Fred said, no, it went to bed. Then the woman took a pen and knocked him up his head. We all know Fred. He just moans and groans. And that's just another tale called the Flintstones. I know that's how it ended, but I couldn't get them other parts. <laughs> it's been that long. But yeah, and I did that in Mrs. Tafoya class. And after that, I was a rapper. He was hooked. I was, I was there. Was and, oh, and one more thing. One more thing. Before Mrs. Tafoya class, we can definitely go back to 1985, going right down the street to Carlos' basement. And I heard Rock the Bells for the first time by LL Cool J. Mm -hmm. And when I heard that, I'm got like, that's, that was that. LL converted a lot that of people. That was the real He converted first. a lot of people to hip hop. You got to get, LL probably, he probably gave the introduction, gave a lot of people And I'm they, glad that you took it because it's more to that. Y'all, I'm glad you cut me off because it's different <laughs> phases of that. But y'all got the very root and beginning of it. For sure, for sure. So, uh, next question, Reese. We're gonna we're gonna keep the uh, get get another question to you real quick. So, um, I mean, who are some of the artists now? You know, what I'm saying. I mean, your root in the music go back to the '80s and '90s, but who's some artists? You know, in 2020. You know, what I'm saying that you rocking with in the game. You know, what I'm saying who who you feel like you know is, is really coming with the heat. Uh, definitely, definitely, Griselda is. I like Griselda. I like. Um... See, I really listen to a lot of what I call, I ain't going to, I call uh, people that y'all just ain't heard. I don't even want to call them local because they're not, there's so much internationalism in them, you know. Uh, yeah, I listen to uh, First Stop Therapy. I listen to NTR. I like Amari. You know what I'm saying? I listen to Suddy. I listen to uh, my man DC, Philosophy. You listen to no MF Doom? My man KO. Oh, I'm about to all oh, red man. I still see. I still listen to. I'm, I'm gonna give you some new guys. I'm gonna give you some new guys. But I'm still listening to the Reggies, Chris, Big L, Lord Finesse. And out of the new guys, I like Joiner Lucas a lot. I like Joiner. I like um um. I like I like uh. I like Lil Baby. <laughs> hey, Lil Baby go hard, bro. Lil Baby go hard. Nah, for sure. Can't nobody deny that. You know what I'm saying? I mean, a certain flow, he got, you know, you can't deny it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Just musically, sonically, if you black, it's just going to connect. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I appreciate that, Reese. Um, so, let, let's keep it moving. Uh, Aki, you got any questions for Reese? Um, what kind of food movie at? <laughs> nah, just messing with you, man. <laughs> nah, man. I'm a good on the question. Yeah, speaking I'm... of, we got to get into that too because I didn't know about all the other. Uh, I didn't know about all the other Shaw brother classes. Of course, I know the uh, the main ones, the Venoms. Everybody know the. Uh, you just got to get ready invisible to read subtitles. Killers. But what I start doing is like I'm a fan of Low Mean, right? So I'll punch in Lo Ming, and then all these other movies came in with the same characters. I'm like, I ain't seen this one. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I need to definitely get in that catalog. Well, it's winter once time, again. so you yeah. know what that means. Yeah. You need to go ahead and get you a fire stick if you ain't already got oh, one. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And go on there and, and do what you need to do. Come on. Come on. You know what I'm saying? And stock up for the winter time. 
All right, so uh, last question, Reese, and this, we can, uh, you know, just bring it to a close here. You know what I'm saying? But let's have a conversation. What is your thoughts, you know, just about the current state of hip hop? You know what I'm saying? And I guess I asked that in two parts. You know what I'm saying? What, I mean, what are your thoughts about hip hop culture, and what are your thoughts about the hip hop industry? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. What What are your thoughts about the current state? Well, I'm gonna start with the uh, culture. As far as the culture, hip hop culture go, it is an honor to be 45 years old and still see it just evolve, see it grow, see it gravitate. Just to see it, you know what I'm saying? Evolve, grow, gravitate. Just to see it move around. It's it's a very, it's a very spiritual culture. And now what you're seeing is you're actually seeing it in uh, modern day TV now. You're seeing it across seas, so it's international now, you know. And as far as the industry goes, I really, you know, with me. I'm in the industry, but a lot of people haven't heard of me because I guess you could say I'm more so underground, a.k.a. slash even local. But the industry is 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 it 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 was divided. You know what I'm saying? It was a division, really. And it's funny. The name of my second album is called that 1979 shit. But that was the year where the first uh, rap deal was signed. You know, so once that happened, then honestly, it was sort of on this uh, demise. But as a moving entity, it picked up in other areas. So the rap still maintained. But now you got clothes. Now you got guys having dealerships. Now you got uh, hip hop uh, uh, pot shops. Now you got. You know what I'm saying? You got multi million dollar sec- endorsements. Yeah. And Security. Like that. You got it's so much connected. You know, to hip hop, you know, so, oh, yeah, as an industry, it's, it's grown. But from an industry uh, standpoint and a culture standpoint, what I, uh, I, I what I see happening is 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 starting to become corporate and it doesn't need to be corporate because it's bigger than corporate. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's, I uh, but but uh, but they want to. They want to capitalize whoever they whoever they is. You know what I'm saying? They definitely want to capitalize on it. But as a whole, it's wonderful, and I'm just blessed to be part of it. It's evolving being. Yeah. I feel that. I feel that a lot of, you know, everything what you just said, Reese. I mean, and I agree. You know, shit is divided. When I think about, I, I, I agree. The culture is spreading in ways I find positive. You know what I'm saying? And I, I think there's so much good music on a local level. You know what I'm saying? There's, there's classic music made in every black community mm-hmm. that we'll never hear. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I, I feel like we're in a golden era of hip-hop in a lot of ways like that. You know what I'm saying? Which is which is good. You know, just to keep it short, on the industry side, you know, of course, that's a sickness. Mm-hmm. Hip-hop industry is a sickness. You know, because it's a capitalist industry, you know. And, uh, of course, I'm separating out our independent participation in it you know what i'm saying that you know that artists use somewhat to make money uh and, and we know that the industry you got to make money in is you know w- what is what it's like we know it's capital we know it's money hungry we know it's greedy um but yeah the, the industry is a sickness in so many ways you know but it, you know it is changing it's definitely changing uh but how it changes is going to be determined by us you know and Also, the other thing that's missing in hip-hop is the ownership. Definitely the ownership. And when I say ownership, I'm talking about the 
Library of Congress. I'm talking about the copyrights. That whole, that whole. Basically, I understand what Prince. I understand what Prince was trying to do. <laughs> he basically was like, I wrote the music. It's my music. You know, why am I giving it to you? <laughs> I, just, I mean, just let's make a deal. Let me distribute it. You know what I'm saying? We go on for that. Yeah, but they want to control everything. I mean, white people trying to own something they had no hand in making. Yeah, that's but what I mean, that's what it come down to. But you know, that's that's what they that's what they um, like you said when they signed that first rap contract in '79, and they still didn't believe in it. They just thought it was a little fad. And it started kept going and going and going. We had the golden era. It was the golden era that really got white people looking at hip hop. Yeah. Once they saw Run DMC, they couldn't it. You know what I'm saying? And so once it expanded like that, but what it did is it eventually it created a system of the in crowd and the out crowd. The in the, the in the MCs that's in the industry and the MCs that's outside the industry. You know, and that's when the you know the whole competition level it changed because it wasn't now that you had to be the best in the city mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. some rappers you know I mean and then some some artists too I think artists got have some of the blame too because yeah. I mean artists are now acting more as independent contractors there is individual ownership but you know their participation in the wicked industry you know what I'm saying it, it just it, it's not really challenging it's it just going with the flow you know yeah. what I'm saying it don't really challenge the norms there so you see artists coming into the industry and then they lean yeah. on stereotypes and caricatures yeah you know what yeah. I'm saying to sell music to the youth and you know to put a dope beat behind it but it's foolishness and they know that foolishness sells in this depraved as society that we live in they, they rather you know, make music for a depraved society instead of make music that's going to get us somewhere else. And then you know check it out. Like, uh, and of course, there's there's ways to reflect on it and be artistic. But some of these people is praising the depraved. And check it out. Well, and, and the way you know it is when you see them in the courtroom when they caught that charge. Yeah. And they'll sit there and they'll tell you right there in the courtroom what this is about. I just do this. This is how I make a living. And this is how... I, that's what he about. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so then it make it even more pronounced. So. I mean, hey, and we 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 work with youth. You know what I'm saying? I know yeah. in in different ways we all work with youth. When I was working at the Boys and Girls Club, mm-hmm. you know, the youth listen to the foolishness. They listen to all this shit. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and that, and that's what the industry promotes. That's what the industry is invested in. And the people that lead the industry, it, it's not that it just sells. Mm-hmm. Anything they put on the radio and make it repetitious is going to sell. You could put good music on the radio, good, wholesome shit, you know what I'm saying, that's not depraved. You know what I'm saying? You could put that on the radio, it'll sell. Uh, but the industry is not invested in that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, they, they, they actually that. they're invested for other reasons, for cultural reasons. They have a cultural attachment to these stereotypes and caricatures that they promote. Uh, of course, there are a, a, a exceptions, but... And the other thing that I left out, I do, this is one problem I definitely have with hip-hop culture. Out of all the jobs that is created, right, from the business, I'm talking about the t-shirts, rim shops, everything, from the whole, even the rappers, even the DJs, nobody talks about, oh, why hip-hop even started 
or you know what I'm saying they talk about where and they had that old debate of course you got cool Herc and then you got the cats that was in the uh, Queens area that was doing the other uh, the techno music or the disco music they saying they might have you know what I'm saying started the first but regardless even with them people or whether it was hurt it, it, it was people that come from inner city poverty you know what I'm saying? They was they was really environmental. What I like to call environmental victims, which we all are. And as opposed to sitting there and whining and complaining, they created something for themselves out of nothing that everybody can see. And then you know now that it's flourished, everybody sort of forgets where it came from, which is that nothing. And I don't know. I I ain't, I guess I just feel like they ain't nobody gotta like real bring it home like that but i mean mention it bring have once you have that history i guarantee you your business will run better or the creativity of whatever you're doing will be a lot better because you know where it comes from and this is where we see the effects of gentrification and how gentrification has an effect on hip-hop music yeah. now children are being raised they're not being raised in black communities they're not being raised attached to black institutions like the black church or just just black institute like uh, just majority black institutions. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like being around that all the time as a kid. Yeah, that's a foundational part of me growing up. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like if I grew, yeah, if I grew up, you know what I'm saying, in more interracial spaces or white majority spaces. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Where I'm a token. You know what I'm saying? Or if all if or if all I've ever known was being a token. Yeah. I, oh, that that's a whole different type of socialization. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, and I think we're hearing that in hip hop. Yeah. Where, where I mean, of course, you, I mean, yeah. So I agree. Some people got it and don't mention it. Yeah. Some people don't even got it enough to mention it. Right. Yeah. 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 It's a it's it's a way to make money, yeah. and it's an easy route. Yeah. And I mean, you know, hip hop is made from something that creatively comes with us. Yeah. Our language rhymes. Yeah. Our vernacular as black people rhyme. Yeah, it's a certain vibe too, man. You know? It's a yeah. We end most of our stuff in the rhyming vowels. Yeah. You know. So that's just how we are. Yeah. You know, so it came naturally. Break dancing. Yeah. Yeah. And I just came wish naturally. that so you know we And some of these guys that started it and see and the beauty of it though is that they really I don't, I'm, I can't I can't speak for the old the pioneers because I haven't met a lot of them, but I guarantee you that it, they they would love to like hear their names on, or like you know like if you got a dancing crew or like that dance show that's on TV, if they had a picture of them, you know what I'm saying? Because they was part of that that evolution and they never really get that credit for i'm talking about the old b-boys like cats like the nigga twins you know they talk about them in new york but we had stuff like that here in illinois just like i'm sure it was in all the other states too yeah. so you know what I'm saying? i just wish that they a gotta lot, have a hall hall of fame that's what hall we're missing fame, mc that's museum. what we're missing in hip-hop man we need to start yeah. we need to start getting the, the museum the art of the real artifacts and you got people who are artifacts that they don't even talk to. My brothers, my brothers in here are geniuses. Y'all really are, bro. I mean, what you saying is so true, dog. Like, you're right. Hip hop, and we gotta lead the way. There needs to be a further institutionalization of hip hop, where where we make more and more hip hop cultural institutions for us. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? So, so you're right. I would love to see a situation where every local black community, you know what I'm saying, has like a hall of fame hip hop museum 
Oh. Or some type some you know what I'm saying, some type of room or something. Because yeah. now be, they be, can come and, and, and see what we went through. You exactly. know what I'm saying? That's crazy. At, that you know, at the, at the community center or something like exactly. that. You know what I'm saying? Because, I mean, th th this is high, like, hip-hop is high art. Yeah. Hip-hop is high art. Really? I mean, and that and that's how we should treat it. Of course, there there is the pop element, you know what I'm saying? There's the radio element. But hip-hop music is just as complex, just as noteworthy as jazz music. Yeah. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So, like, if we empowered our kids when they strive or are attuned to that yeah. instead of seeing them as deviant, you know what I'm saying? My whole life. I'm sure y'all can, uh, you can uh, uh, somewhat feel the same way. Yeah. When you tell people you are a rap artist, certain people, that's a negative thing. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like being a being a rapper, being a hip hop artist, for some people, it's a it's a mark of deviancy, damn there. Mm -hmm. So you know what I'm saying? Age, they look at me like, man, you still do that shit? I said, shit, you still love that certain record? You still love that certain Kool Aid? You still love that certain drink? Fuck yeah! <laughs> I mean, I think yeah. people don't understand that you know hip hop is a lifestyle. Yeah. And so most people look at it and they say, well, okay. I like hip hop, but why? Like, why are you still rapping, nigga? Because I'm a rapper. That don't mean I ain't got no job. Right. That don't mean I ain't got no career. Right. Right. I like doing this shit. Right. You know, I enjoy doing this shit. Right. That's when you know you're in love with the culture. Right. Even to the fact of when you still and I, like I said, I'm not even an artist, but I'm a I'm an appreciator of the music. <laughs> yes, sir. So I'm still gonna be into okay. I'm gonna be looking at I'm a lyricist dude. So I'm gonna be lyricist and production dude. So I'm still gonna be looking at people's lyricism and production. Yeah. Whether they new or old. Yeah. Sometimes I listen to some of the old shit and be like, yo, they fell off. Yeah. They gotta get back on point. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But sometimes most cases the artists I listen to, they always give me some solid shit. Yeah. You know? So that's just that's just the that's just the culture. That's just how it is. Yeah. You know, we I mean Hip hop is changing now, especially industry wise, because like the record label is not becoming so necessarily pro oh, yeah. prominent. Oh, the business, you know, and the distribution yeah. ain't so as deep oh, yeah. now. Oh, yeah. So nobody's buying physical music and shit. And 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 that's what actually gives it a a, a fair bore for everybody because it's the capitalist collapse. Yeah. I hate to say it. It looks like it's gonna be the capitalist yeah. collapse. Yeah. Of hip hop. I, I could put my stuff on YouTube now right next to Big Daddy Kane's. You know what it's, I'm saying? It's yeah. the hip hop culture, it's the collapse of capitalism within the hip hop culture. It's turning on his goddamn self. Yeah. Yeah. But you But I, I would I would it's say it's already hit that turn, I think. I, I would say don't ever underestimate capitalism's ability to adapt. To adapt and be dynamic. <laughs> True Because <laughs> it, 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 it will bite you now. True yeah. yeah. you know Always, always. always. But, but like right now, it's like, you know, at first, uh, I think about it, say for instance, in the 90s, right? It was to get the big contract, you know? Then in the 2000s, it was to get the super big endorsement, Right? Mm -hmm. Now in the '90s, coming into the 2000s, it was another golden era, because man, like I think back then, we had clothing lines, we had shoes, we was, you know, what I'm saying that's why I don't understand. I, I, that's why I still like Master P to this day. But think about the hip hop industry now. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's we're in a troubled spot. 
because you can't come out the trunk no more not during a pandemic i mean where i mean it, it's just, yeah, not, yeah, it, yeah, it's just yeah. not as possible no more and and think about what's happening digitally that's where the turn is we already talked about it that's yeah. where the turn is we using their platforms and now we're not as much trying to uh get that major record label we we might not be trying to hit up the local, local open mics as much and of course hopefully that changes back and, and we going for likes exactly Aki we going for likes and shares but you know and we don't even see the algorithms but that's behind the scenes you know what I'm saying mm -hmm. judging how we show up in other people's shit you yeah. know what I'm saying that, that that's a whole that shit we can't even control Aki yeah. or if you want to control it you have to conform yourself you know what I'm saying you have to conform yourself to be acceptable for that wide type of uh, uh, viewership even amongst people that are your friends. And that's the you know thing. What I'm saying? You know, some, some people say that it's even too late because, we're, because we didn't make that curve before the digital age. It might be. I mean, I, I never put a past us to adapt and 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 and, I mean, and, I and, and, and change it for ourselves. But it, it hurts, you know what I'm saying? Because oh, yeah, it do hurt. now think about an artist like me or think about Reese. Ain't, there's no algorithm needed. No technology yeah. needed for us to electrify a crowd. You know what I'm saying? If me or Reese step in front of a crowd and start spitting, Which it, was, I was lead to my next point. it's a, it's electricity. Yeah. It, it's shared electricity. We know that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And um, that the algorithms and the pictures and the bright Instagram scrolling shit. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like that don't that don't capture it. No. It don't capture what me and Reese do. Now, now I'm gonna keep it real, and I and I gotta say this: hey. the same way we cannot be naive. To capitalism and how well it adapts, we can't be naive to black folks. And and got to remember, we went through this shit many times. They jacked jazz. We created blues. Yeah, yeah. Then we created rock and roll. They jacked rock and roll. Then we created soul. Yeah. And funk. And then hip hop. Hip hop is gonna bring this whole shit down. Yeah. You hey. say we every time we got somewhere, if we let them in, they um, if we let them in, they came in. Aki, what's the name of that uh the Marcus Garvey paper? I forgot it, but it's gonna lead me into my next point. And it was the paper that he pretty much uh when Africa found out about it, it was word of mouth. Negro world. Yes. <laughs> that was the one. That was the one. But just like that, how how that paper got spread is 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 with hip hop now. If you really want to have that electricity, it's gonna be that word of mouth. It's uh, what's this Monday? Yeah, today's Monday, just Saturday. I went somewhere. I think it, it began with an F. It's by Oakwood. It was about thirty five minutes from here, but. It was a, a comedy club. It was cold that night, and I really didn't want to go, but I told a friend that I would go, and I said, fuck it, man. So I wanted to check out the scenery, too, because, you know, I'm looking for a place to do shows. So I go out here. Sure enough, it's a good. It was 40 people. It was only 40 people invited, and I think maybe out of, uh, out of the 40, 30, the 25 showed up, so it was a nice crowd. It was at a winery. They had, I had three amigos, man. The shit was good, y'all. It tastes like vodka and Hawaiian punch to a whole nother level. It was good. <laughs> it was really, really good. To a whole nother level. And, <laughs> and they had the doors open, but you was inside. They had tables. 
You know what I'm saying? And the comedians got down. It was like three comedians, man. Shout out to the comedians. I forgot their names. One of them was uh, Sandy Ott from Champagne, uh, Jesse Tuttle, and I forgot the last guy. And he was a brother, too, and I forget his name. Ain't that something? But anyway, uh, that's what we got to do now with hip-hop, man. I don't care if it's Zoom. I don't care if it's just, okay, 40 can meet up. And then even within that 40, if y'all need to have humidifiers at the shows or whatever, we just got to do what we got to do to stay safe, but we can still rock. And it's all about bringing that electricity. Yeah, I could sit in the studio, write a verse, send it to my guy in Ohio. He write a verse, send it to his guy in Japan. He write a verse, but it's not going to be the same as if they all three was in the same room. And, yeah. and and that that's that's what that's what hip hop is missing with all the other things that we was talking about too. But that's what it's going to take to get it out of this what I call YouTube phase or or Twitter phase or what have you, where they can see everything. Which I have no problem with them seeing it. But hey, we got to charge them, man. This is an art. <laughs> this is an art. Yeah, yeah. And once we own, once we come to own it how we really should, yeah. and really treat it like the high art that it, it is, yeah. I mean, we really gonna be able to better control the, the access and get and gatekeeping that some of these frauds out here. You know what I'm saying? And I got a question for y'all. Could y'all please expand on? Or what happened and who were the four individuals, if y'all knew, not that that's big, I would rather for y'all to just expand on the situation, but when the blacks was going to get together that had the money, I think it was Gotti, Jermaine Dupree, and they was going to get the distribution, but it didn't It didn't go through. So my question is... I don't know who that was. My question I is... I know Gordy had distribution. Barry Gordy. I was right about to say, who has had distribution in the past, and is that something that we can own right now or should be owning? Barry Gordy had distribution. He was able to press his own records. Yeah, he was right next door, if I recall. You know, um, that's what made Motown solid. They was able to press their own records all the way into the 80s. Wow. You know, he started getting into doing movies and shit. You know, he did The Last Dragon. Yeah. He was the one who did The Last Dragon. So, um, I remember... Um, George Clinton and them was getting so much money at one point in time that they was thinking about doing it. Um, never went anywhere. I think Def Jam had some form of their own distribution. I'm not sure. But I don't know why we haven't. I can't say why we can't, but... I think the network may be sold up. So, see, one thing they do is they 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 come in and they dominate mm-hmm. industries. You see what I'm saying? And they take over everything: production, distribution, and everything. You know, so um, it may be a difficult task. Yeah. I mean, but then in the same way, it's like this: you got people like Byron Allen. He bought what channel for four billion dollars? So, you know, it, we got other billionaires. Um, and outside of billionaires, we got the people. You know, um, we participate with this just as much as we dislike it. And I'm talking about in the music industry. Yeah, I agree. You know, yeah. The radio stations play the same 10 goddamn songs, maybe 12, maybe 15. You know, we don't call in. Well, why don't y'all play something different? 
There's and about they act, and they act like payola don't exist, but it's still. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And there's only about one or two out that fifteen I would actually want to hear. Exactly. Well, you get you don't have variety like that no more. You're only getting a certain vibe and a certain type of of music from a certain perspective. So people who may not listen to that mainstream hip hop, like myself, I do have to go look to the underground or artists that have that same type of tone or same type of coreness, lyrics, production, type of vibe that I like and stuff like that. And what I will admit is that we do got a large segment of that. You'll be surprised all these people you'll see out here that's doing some good-ass music. But and we got to make a better network for them. Mm-hmm. You know yep. what I'm saying? We got to make some, you know, we got to, Get it better organized for them because they don't necessarily want the mainstream status a lot of times. You're right, and I think that's some of the revolutionary work we got to do in the cultural, in the cultural sphere. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So it's on us to really create that, and to create institutions that can support these artists. Because hip hop definitely know. is in part of our culture. Yeah. Now we can't, and I'm talking about it's a part of it's black committed. culture now. It, it we can't get around it. Because you're talking about the 90s generation. That's the first children of it. Man. And I could be wrong. And, and I could be wrong. But when you really think about it, it's because of hip-hop that we even still got. And this is because of hip-hop that you still got people listening to gospel. People listening to jazz. Yeah. People listening to rock. Because yeah. these are the things that we're sampling from. People listening to all types of music. Just because of hip hop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Beautiful thing. It is. It is. Just pay me my money. That's how I've been feeling about the situation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? So, that's that whole industry business side. Yeah. So, with that being said, y'all, we're going to wrap up this segment and we're uh, going to come back to y'all uh, talking about Ice Cube and his contract for Black America. And later on, we'll talk about fascism and the election, as well as the black vote. So with that, we'll say free to land. Peace, y'all. Peace. Yeah, that was a dope album. Up oh, Black Star Liner, Black Star Liner, wait, all right, wait, Black Star Liner, everybody all aboard and free your mind, Black Star Liner, Black Star Liner, and I could be saying it wrong, but I think that's the gist of it. Oh, yeah, what's that from again? Oh, that's from, uh, that was, uh, The Ship. That Marcus Garvey, you know, no, 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 oh, the rhyme, oh, that's Brand Nubians, okay. In God We Trust, that album. Brand yeah. Nubian. All right, welcome back, y'all. We uh, back from break, still here with the brother Reese. And uh, now we're going to talk a little bit about this whole, whole uh, Ice Cube controversy. Yes. Contract yes, for Black America yes. controversy. So, Aki, go on and uh, give people an uh, introduction, rundown of uh, of what, what this is all about. Well, you know, um, Ice Cube has been pushing, um, you know, his uh, contract with Black America um, for the last, maybe what, I at least know at least four or five months, maybe even longer, right? And um, he's been very much clear about it. Um, you know, he was willing to work with anybody. And um, as of recently, he was in the news because um, he had a uh, um, sit-down with Trump's team and he had a tr- sit-down with Biden's team. Mm-hmm. But 
to sit down with Trump's team brought a lot of criticism mm-hmm. to Hold the up. brother. You so, I, I guess my initial reactions to the contract for Black America and some of the criticisms. One, I agree that, you know, the contract that Ice Cube took a hand or uh, 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 I guess contributed his voice to supporting uh, it definitely lacks a lot of the numbers and a lot of the you know any type of you know any type of uh, concrete details the more so just guidelines Mm -hmm. and uh, and and there are a lot of policy positions in there that are uh, that are good you know I'm saying like um, as far as changes to incarceration or uh, you know bank lending and all these other type of things that are good, yeah. you know, and, and, and positive and positive transitions for the community. Uh, and I definitely hear the criticisms that people give that, you know, uh, maybe he didn't have or form relationships with other organizations, but that are that are on the ground doing things. But, you know, this one thing about Cube, he, like he's been saying, he's willing to work with other groups. You know, he sees a, he sees the overlap between these groups uh, as, po- you know, as a cool. You know what I'm saying? As mm-hmm. uh, p- part of the process. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he's also has an open door policy. He's w- he's willing to work with, uh, you know, uh, anybody to, you know, uh, y- you know, as he uses his voice. So. But shoot, man. Roll. They, 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 they've been, our people been going at this, man. Yeah. And um, it's really a sad thing. You know, I agree with you, you know. I agree, you know, he could have definitely been a little well more informed. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's been doing this now for about six, seven months. I give it that. Why y'all ain't contacted him? He been out there in the open. Why y'all ain't dealt with him then? Mm. You know? Or, I mean, for me... I, I guess I'm not as impatient as some people involved in the discourse. You know, yeah. it, I mean, Ice Cube's plan is definitely something he's clear about uh, continuing after the election, no matter how it go. Exactly. Uh, you know, it's something that you know is beyond the election, which is an aspect I appreciate of it. Uh, so you know, now I mean, he was on uh, with Roland Martin and Alicia Garza came on one of the founders of the Black Lives Matter organization and mm-hmm. movement. Um, you know, and he made clear on there he was willing to work with anybody. Yeah. And um but uh yeah. So I mean what'd you think about that uh Roland Martin interview? Well, okay, we seen two Ro we seen two interviews. Yeah. Um I I guess he did either two in one day or three in one day. But um we first seen the one he did on Fox, I think. If was that Fox? Uh and CNN. CNN. He mm-hmm. did one on CNN. Um, where he definitely corrected the um, misappropriations to him and his involvement with the Trump mm-hmm. campaign. Um, and to be honest with you, even though the um, the white interviewer was trying to press a little bit, he seemed to be fair enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. I think Cuomo. I think that's the yeah. interviewer. He had a very much measured. He had a very measured approach. Yeah, too. yeah. Cuomo definitely pressed them, but then after Ice Cube explained himself, you know, Cuomo accepted the fact that Ice Cube, you know, was not supportive of Trump. Yes, and that, uh, you know, just let the, you know, the Trump campaign ask, I guess, or told Q they were going to put some of the stuff from the contract for Black America into their platinum plan, yes. which is foolish. 
mm-hmm. but uh, a foolish name uh, yeah. in plan, right? Uh, and Ice Cube said, you can go ahead and do that. Uh, nobody's going to believe you unless you apply some power through executive orders, you know what I'm saying, to, you know, this. They're just going to see it as, you know, manipulating before the election cycle. And that's right and exact. And he's right about that. But, of course, that people are led by the headlines that are saying that Ice Cube is working with the Trump campaign, helping them develop their plan when that did not occur. Yes. You know, so you're right, Aki. We're hearing a lot of criticism for Ice Cube and his actions um, uh, from all over the now, political spectrum. Now, now, here you go. Now, the Roland Martin interview was quite different. Mm-hmm. The Roland Martin interview was more like... Um, a grilling or an, or a semi attack, mm-hmm. you know, um, a chastising type thing. I was seeing going on on there. Um, Blue scars got on there. What did she tell my man? Uh, jumping in line. Yeah, Alicia Garza said on said on there that it. Uh, she felt that Ice Cube's actions, even after he explained himself was again to him jumping the line. You know, we can't jump the line on activists that's already been out here doing the work. And it just seemed like that was just more like a statement of, you know, like, like making, making, like trying to make it like Cube didn't need to be there. Um, You know, as much as I may even, you know, have a problem sometimes with celebrities being the ones who speak to celebrities. I mean, to be, to speak to politicians. Mm-hmm. I felt more comfortable with him there speaking than I felt the least guys are there speaking to him. Well, um, Roland Martin proposed unity. Alisa Garza spoke is the one that said Ice Cube was jumping the line. Yeah, you know what I'm saying, and uh, and this is after he explained himself. And Garvey made his, and I mean, and Cube let him to be known, like, hey, I ain't jumping the line on nobody. Right. My plan been out here. It's been out here, and I don't support the Democrats or the Republicans. I don't support Trump or Biden. I think they're both crooked. I think Trump, he even said that he feel like Trump was just trying to uh, manipulate through his platinum plans inclusion of certain aspects. Mm. You know, he he thought that it was manipulative if it wasn't going to be followed by executive orders. Yes. If you don't do executive orders before the election, this is why Ice Cube told him, yeah. the campaign. That people ain't gonna believe you know what, and mm-hmm. people ain't believing them. Yeah, you know, uh, and th- I, I think Ice Cube was aware of the miscalculation of the Republicans' part even before he got the shit that he got. Yeah, but I mean, what was his plan all along? You know, it, it um, whatever Democrats or Republicans, I talked to either side, and that's another uh, misconception. He didn't go out to the Democrats or the Republicans. He didn't go to the Trump campaign. Mm-hmm. He released his plan, and they came to him. They, they, yeah. they, they both. Contacted him. Mm-hmm. See, they, and, then, and then Trump, and then the Democrats said, "Of course, wait till after the election." The Republicans said, "We'll include some things in our plan." Ice Cube said, "Go ahead, and we're still going to push you, no matter if you stay in office or not." Yeah. So, I mean, you know, he met the he met with the powers that be, the one who has the potential to be the power, and one that's already in the office. He never met Trump in person. So that's the misconception. It wasn't like he sat down and did some Kanye West shit. You know what I'm saying? And met with Trump. He met people. Networking the campaign. You know? Um, he had a general conversation. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, to, to say that he's jumping the line, that is casting hit him as deviant. It's casting him, like you said, that you don't belong within the movement. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, like you're on a different side. Um, and, I, of course, I think it comes down to Ice Cube's politics. Yeah. The real reason. Mm -hmm. His politics of non-committal to Democrats or Republicans. Yeah. His politics of calling out the Democrats for uh, ignoring black male suffering black male oppression yes. and, and and pandering to us instead of speaking to uh black male interests yeah i think those things are foundational within the discourse of you know that uh coming out against him you know of course he's becoming the scapegoat now for all of black male deviancy you know we're being set up as you know the crucial element well it's funny that it comes at this time because it's coming at a time when they're already, they'd already been trying to put out there that, you know, well, uh, what they say, uh, I think they said a number like 15% of black males voted for Trump, negating that about 90, I mean, 85% of the rest of us, 75, you know, we voted right along with the Democrats, you know. It's been a conversation that I've seen that's already been churning up. Mm -hmm. I think, know, they've I been think setting the tone for it already. The conversation is about more than just this one vote. Yeah, this is about black men being disaffected with both parties mm -hmm. and seeking to do something else. Yeah, and it, this this rhetoric is not just about this election. It's about keeping black men in line. Yeah, it's about assimilating us further. You know what I'm saying? Making us not be radicals, trying to eliminate our push for resistance and liberation. This falls into that camp. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, you know, that's not enough a part of the conversation. We're seeing too much of this reactionary critique of Ice Cube, who's not an intellectual, yeah. who's not an activist. He lent, he's lending his voice to a general set of guidelines that uh, he values the overlap with other people's plans and he wants to collaborate. And he with, says it's open to change. And it's, yeah, it's currently being changed. So all of these high-strung activists, organizers. Professional paid activists. You know, radical, revolutionary, whatever, on the left, whatever. You know, um, all, all this talk coming out against Ice Cube, like, I don't buy it as very genuine. Nah. I don't. Nah. I, I think y'all are performing a politics, you know what I'm saying? And you you don't even, I, I guess you don't even notice it. You know, yeah, like, they probably don't. Unconscious, I, unconscious performances. For sure. And, I, and honestly, I see why I have my critiques of, of course, the plan itself. It doesn't mention land anywhere in that plan. Yeah. Um, so I have critiques of the plan, and that's an important conversation. But as far as Ice Cube, as a black nationalist hip-hop artist, one of the most important hip-hop artists in hip-hop culture, in the, in the culture of the youth, the culture of our communities, mm -hmm. Ice Cube is one of the most important figures. And he is trying to get more involved in the push for our self-determination and, and the push for our autonomy. You know what I'm saying? And uh, we are finding every single reason to critique. You know, some, sound, some of us, some of us, yeah. not, not me and Aki, not uh, the farthest I'm like time. This. He sound like a nationalist to me and he don't have to profess it. He said, I'm doing this for black people and I'm loyal to black people. Mm -hmm. This is for black people. But because he, uh, one of the groups that contacted him uh, and that he worked on the plan with was ADOS. Mm. But, you know, people 
the this black intellectual class, the black middle class, whatever, black media and activist class, mm-hmm. black political class, they are they they are reliant on pushing down to get up or to stay where they at. Mm-hmm. They have to push down to get further up or to stay where they at. Mm-hmm. So, uh, of course, they find any reason to malign ADOS. And yeah. I have my big critiques of ADOS. But mm-hmm. but 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 some of this uh this general labeling of all people who identify as ADOS or find use in that label. And of course that means American descendants of slavery for those that don't know. Yeah. Um, you know, they treat anybody that uses this term as a ultra conservative, as an ultra right yeah. conservative. Yeah. And that is just misguided. Mm-hmm. It's just it's a narrow understanding of what's happening and what's developing. And they're trying and it, it, like the intersection of nationalism and and uh, and I guess political economic ideology. Yeah, that conversation is real. Uh, needs some real work. Yeah, it needs some work. You know what I'm saying? The nuance ain't there right now, bro. Yeah, it ain't there. They got to make a they got to make a reconnection. You know. Um, I just say, man, you know, there's some people in the revolutionary black nationalist movement who, I guess, see more solidarity, feel closer with a white liberal or a white anarchist than they do with uh, some uh, a black nationalist that identifies as ADOS. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Now, I, I have my critiques of ADOS. We mentioned some of them already. One of them, I feel like, while it's a positive development, I think it signifies a developing black nationalist tendency that's yeah. reemerging at this moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, you see the black intellectual class seeking to suppress it, whether yeah. they know they are or not. But, uh, you know, I, I, don't, I think ultimately it leads us to a black capitalist integration into the society. Yeah. You know, I don't think everybody that uses it has that critique yet, and I'm okay with that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because that's the consciousness that I, me as a revolutionary has yeah. to work to instill. You know, but... Uh, but you know that's why I, I prefer, and I know you prefer as well, the term "new African" yeah. as you know the political identity that we come around because that that leads to our national liberation. Mm-hmm. You know, say so not our integration into the society as American yeah. descendants of slaves. No, we're new Africans. Mm-hmm. You know, what I'm saying like uh, this isn't about identifying with America. We are, our, our destiny is not to be Americans. We are not predestined to be Americanized eventually. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Um, and that's the difference between... That's the ideological difference. Right. You know? That's just the ideological difference. Um, and that's the conversations that we're going to have to be had. But we can't come out and just... And that's that's the problem that we're having when we see people approach people like Cube, organizations like ADOS, and other formations out there. We autom- They people automatically put stigmas on them. They automatically, you know what I'm saying, assume... We gonna, you know, I believe in the concept of a black united front, and that's coming together of various different organizations to get shit done. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a revolutionary principle, and 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 method that has been used for years, and so the coalition to bring us into our full fledged nationhood may have to come with various different groups like ADOS. And uh, new African formations, a nation of Islams, and things of that such nature. And if Black Lives Matter get it together, them too. But, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's what it's going to take. 
But we can't be out here just pointing the finger and judging people. The everyday common people in the hood, the niggas, they understood exactly what Cube was saying. It was the educated, professional, paid activist class who disagreed with what he said because they was approaching it too much from ideology and not enough from the actual loyalty and allegiance to black people. Mm-hmm. See, when you got loyalty and allegiance to yourself, you don't give a shit who you talking to. If they ain't power, that's who you talk to. Anytime we didn't have revolutions or even rebellions against people, especially in times where arms was taken up, there had to be a lead, it had to be a sit down between the two forms of leadership, those individuals from the rebellion and those individuals who was oppressing. And there are, I agree with everything you're saying, Aki. And you know, there are people out there that say, well, how can these people not see that Trump is worse than Biden? You know, I think that's one of the critiques that Ice Cube is getting. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know how he feels uh, about that immediate difference in this current moment. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, I would agree with the argument that as parties, you know what I'm saying, looking toward to the future decades and looking to the past, Yeah. you know, they're much more alike than, than different. Yeah. They're much more alike than different. Yeah. And, um... You know, I, I can't, you know, I, I'm not going to label nobody as deviant for speaking to the fact that we can't put our loyalty in one. That's going to mm-hmm. weaken our power. That's going to weaken our unity as a as a black collective. Yeah. Um, and trying to lead and do something different. You know, I, I respect it. You know, I have a lot of critiques for, you know, how I can go about. But, you know, ultimately that, you know, I, I, I question any, any revolutionary that look at what Ice Cube is doing and say, he's doing it wrong. We should distance ourselves from him. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Why isn't your thought pattern saying, he's doing it wrong? Let me contact him. Let me form a relationship. Let yeah, me get yeah. involved, you know what I'm saying, or bring him on board for our project or maybe engage him in debate. Tell him why this project is better. You know what I'm saying? And get him to support our project or how can they work together? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? We have to be dynamic. We have to, you know what I'm saying, be flexible in this moment. You know what I'm saying? But so many people have been taught by white intellectuals, white academia, that black leadership is something that to be threatened by. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So they, they see the platform of Ice Cube and they see it speaking independently mm. and, and having an actual, being an actual organ. Uh, is it a perfect organ for black, the black voice of the black working class? Is Ice right Cube, Ice Cube, he's not a perfect organ, but he's speaking more to the experiences of the black working class, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying, and the black poor yeah. than Black Lives Matter is. Yeah. Or any one of those people that sort of criticizing him, you know? I mean, um, so yeah, it's some jealousy, you yeah. know what I'm saying? That, Don't that, get me wrong, Cube is a millionaire, you know? He a millionaire. But you know, every every sometimes people get that epiphany in life. For sure, people respect a a, a a black man from the hood that you know through rap or and through what he did with movies made his millions, as opposed to a paid activist yeah. that it relies on white philanthropic money. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? You're gonna get two different types of support. You know, there's gonna be a whole lot of jealousy from this black academic class yeah. that does not have the strong ties that, that is not reson- they don't resonate in 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 our community as much as they want to and that they can't understand they why like they you know do. what I'm saying they can't understand why so they blame it on black people being backwards 
they blame it on black people being backwards why they not resonating they don't because they can't fathom that it's your ideals your ideas are not for us they can't mm-hmm. fathom that you know what i'm saying um you know black people have a pragmatism that extends beyond you know these white academic labels yeah and i don't think they're ready to i don't think they're ready to necessarily you know they see they see what cube do as a threat to their their actual actions mm-hmm. their actual movement work their their ability to hold on at least from the perception of white people to the political motives of the black community the black token the black misleadership class this black colonial class, neo-colonial class you know what I'm saying? They are put in position to control the political uh, activity of the black masses. Yes. And if 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 their control over that is threatened in any way, shape, or form, and Ice Cube does represent a threat to that, an imperfect threat, but a threat nonetheless. If you don't see that, then I, I don't think you understand culturally everything that's going on. Mm-hmm. Well... It's like this. Black people got to get it together. We got to wake up. We got to stop falling for the propaganda. And we got to start seeing real for real. You know, if, if, if we still allow people who look like us but don't have our best interests in heart speak for us, make moves for us, and not speak to the totality of us. We doomed, y'all. We got to get on code. And that's the problem. We wasn't on code. You know, we were supposed to embrace Ice Cube before we condemned him. But there's a lot of people that are much more talented at speaking about how they're different, that they think different, that they think better, that their ideas are better, their programs are better. There's a lot more people that can speak the difference than they can to unity in our in our in in our activist organizations even this is present within our leaders this is present you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. black there's there's too many people that can speak more to why their ideas are better than this group's ideas as opposed to people that can speak to the hearts and minds of our people yeah you know what i'm saying like our task is you know of course to have the right ideas and to have good ideas, but it's also to win the hearts and minds of our people. And um, and I guess ignoring that second one and getting too caught up in the first one mm-hmm. in this white capitalist society leads to this type of, uh, I guess, crab in a bucket mentality. Mm-hmm. You know, where, um, you know, Ice Cube is representing something different. So people's first inclination is to drag them back down. I mean, I mean, you know. It's more of a thing that they wanted to be in that spot. But then, too, a lot of them had took the stance that they ain't going to meet with Trump, period. I, you know, I, I abandoned those type of feelings, Aki, as far as, like, trying to wish I was in that position, wishing that this entity or this formation was, had that platform. Mm-hmm. Ice Cube having the platform that he has is a product of the the historical moments and you know tendencies and all the shit that led up to it yeah it's a product of everything that came before mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying we should seek to understand 
why why Ice Cube has a platform and why he's using it the way he does. Yeah. Why are we so caught up in pointing out what's wrong with it and saying that we should, you know what I'm saying, and just distancing ourselves from it? Let's seek the understanding and use and use it for our people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, any other conversation at this late stage, you know, uh, if that becomes our focus, you know, I was at a conference and Gerald Horn, the great black historian, you know, what I'm saying at that solid conference, I think in 2018, 2017, is in Indianapolis, and he said, um, you know, we can argue, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but he said we can argue about who was the most right when we're in concentration camps. <laughs> that's some other shit Because if that's where Our intellectuals lead us Or if that's what they focus yeah, on too that's much shit right there that's, that's where we're gonna That's where we're gonna be doing it at <laughs> You know what I'm saying we can, we can save all those conversations To the concentration camp Really and, You know Because we gotta do something different Or we gonna end up there Well I mean We have to see with black people. Hard head make a soft ass. And this ain't the first time we done made this mistake or made this type of um, flaw in this in recent elections. We done did this shit a couple of times. Um, now it's like I said, it's time for us to get on code. You know? It's time for us to think better. I'm just a little shocked and disappointed in black people that we allowed uh, other peoples to shape our thinking and things like that, you know, to create, you know, to try to create opinions about us that, or about, you know, Cube and, and, and just make him the scapegoat. So, you know. Yeah, it speaks to the need, and we're speaking about this, you know, within our organization. It speaks to the need uh, to develop uh, black political program, black political agenda, you know, as black nationalists, you know what I'm saying, that can bring in both people that vote, don't vote, people that support Democrats or vote Democrat, people that are independent, whatever. Uh, there's too much that we agree on, you know what I'm saying, not to form a united front, you know what I'm saying, and start pushing. Uh, but we got to get past a lot of this classification that, you know, we're emphasizing as opposed to the unification. Um, you know, the classification is important for our theory, but it's not the end all be all. All right, with that, Aki, I think we can wrap up the convo on Ice Cube and yeah. uh, all, all that controversy and uh, going to transition into the convo on uh, fascism. George Jackson's thoughts on syst- systemic fascism. And, uh, you know, and, and talk about fascism and, you know, that that word is thrown around a lot within the discourse, you know. Uh, talk the current about political. how it implicates on us. Is right. It here now? Is it coming in the future? Right. Is Trump the coming fascist? Is Trump bringing fascism? You know what I'm saying? So we're going to take up a lot of that and look at some of George Jackson's prophetic, you know, words and theorization around that. So stick with us and uh, we'll be right back. Peace. Peace. All right, welcome back, y'all. My name is Sonny Ture. I'm Katie G. And uh, welcome back to episode 16. 
And uh, what we're going to talk about right now is uh, we're going to comment on the election. And we're actually going to uh, talk a little bit about fascism and a lot of the discourse around fascism that's going on, you know. I think there's some, uh, th- there's some, you know, definitely some comments and some insights we want to make and uh, that I think are useful, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And because um, often what I hear, Aki, is that, you know, we need to vote. Uh, Trump out to avoid a coming uh, fascist state. Yeah. And um, while I do agree that, uh, let me say this up front, I do agree that under Trump, uh, I think uh, the potential for our people to feel hope and our people to even uh, maybe get some uh, relief from the federal government is less under Trump. And those things hurt the ability for movements to mobilize and coalesce. True indeed. So I I personally do think having Biden in office, um, you know, uh, will prov- even if it's not material relief, it will be somewhat of a, uh, an, an emotional or, you know, there there is going to be some social relief felt just by not having uh, this, uh, you know, a person like Trump in office. Mussolini number two. Right. Um, <laughs> uh, so um I do think it's important for us to uh to well yeah, let me stop talking. What do you think about voting even before we get into, you know, where we want to take it? Mm. I mean, what do you think about uh the importance of uh, us voting in this moment, Aki? Um well, it's like this, you know. Trump's Trump has all the signs and symptoms of becoming a fascist um a fat, he is a fascist to me. And in in, in in trying to establish it more, you know, in in, in entrench it more. In the same way though, um Biden does provide an environment that would be less um repressive mm-hmm. and organized, you know. But I would always have to, that's something that a person has to outweigh. You have to do that math in your own damn head to figure that out, you mm-hmm. know. Um, yeah, it's a real fucked up choice. But um, I think it's about where we see our priorities at. Where, where, where do black people see their priorities at? I think the majority of black people want Biden to win. Would you agree with that? Yeah. You know, I think for that reason alone, you know what I'm saying, I want us to have that victory in a mm-hmm. sense, you know. But you got to remember, too, uh, the election is one thing. For sure. And giving up power is another. For sure. Oh, I'm with you on that, Aki. And in Trump's loss, you could still get fascist backlash. For sure. So oh, white nationalist, nationalist backlash. Yeah, so it could that even him getting out of office mm-hmm. could cause you two to three and a half years of hell. Mm-hmm. And all of these so-called black leaders that have popped up mm-hmm. recently, they also might mislead us with a Biden victory into complacency. Yes, yes, yes. I mean, to be honest with you, though, that's what we're sort of going back to, though, mm-hmm. at this moment, you know, um... We're getting politically active, but the only reason why we're getting politically active is because of Trump. Mm-hmm. 
If we if we if Trump wouldn't have gotten in office, we would have been just as I think politically lazy, you know, or, or we would have been a politically lazy people. We wouldn't be out here rallying out and going hard like that. And you know, this may be needed. You know, this may be something to spark it up, but um nah. Biden definitely would make us more complacent. Yeah, and I mean, we got to admit that what arose from the George Floyd murder, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Some of that was anger and protest that was uh, not exactly all about the electoral process. Mm-hmm. You know, some of that was more, much more generative than that. Uh, but, you know, I think we saw once again, uh, because there is no viable alternative you know what I'm saying? Uh, that get funneled back into the electoral type of political yeah. campaign cycle. That type of energy did. Well, it's like this. It, but, you know, setting aside some of the COVID I mean, shit. Most yeah. black people that I know are going to vote for Biden. Mm-hmm. And we are limited to a limited amount of options right now. Mm-hmm. The only option that we have outside of Biden for Bi- voting for Biden is the radical options. And that's all going to depend on what the people are willing to do and sacrifice. Are you willing to go through that? You know what I'm saying? Four years or more, four more years of Trump if Biden loses. Even though I don't see Biden losing. But that's something that we definitely have to think about because we didn't see Trump winning the first time. Facts. And he did. Facts. So, um, it, you know, that's, that's, that's the only alternative we have. If you you sit out to vote and don't do anything, or you don't vote this year, mm-hmm. then you got to be a true nationalist and be willing to get your ass out there and do the work, the self-determinative work to build in the community, to be able to provide some relief to the people that's and, and to the people mm-hmm. that's gonna be living under Trump mm-hmm. four more goddamn years. You know, so, you know, it's one of them things. So right now, the most legitimate way I would say is, yeah, we probably need to go ahead. And, and I, keep, uh, I hope maybe this can get us into uh, how we want to bring George Jackson into the conversation. Big George. So I'm thinking that one of the things that's causing us to not, uh, you know, seek out more self-determination and more institution building, the things that really prolong and empower our struggle, the things that keep us out of the cycle of electoral politics that, mm-hmm. that we don't want to fall into. Yeah. What keeps us away from those type of politics is uh, maybe our avoidance of accepting what this country really is. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And accepting that, you know, late stage capitalism, this stage of capitalism, it, it, it's a fascist era. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, like um, this is uh, like, like, um, and George Jackson makes the point, you know, we are living in fascism yeah. already. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he makes uh, a, an amazing analysis of fascism in his writings. Yeah. And it's important that we go back and study George Jackson for that. So, uh, I mean, Aki, can you give the people maybe an introduction on George Jackson, you know, who he was and maybe some of the organizations he was involved in? Um, George Jackson, he's most famously known being with the Soledad brothers. Um the Soledad Rebellion, pretty much, where they, you know, rose up against the prison, Soledad, 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 Soledad State Prison, mm-hmm. California. Um, I think it's a, yeah, I think it's a state prison. Um, George Jackson was a G. He, you know, was semi-involved with revolutionary groups on the street, but he also ran the streets a little bit. Mm-hmm. 
you know. Um, upon that, you know, he became a hero in prison. People like Angela Davis was standing with him, the Panthers. I think he became a Panther in jail. Mm-hmm. He's also one of the founders of the Black Gorilla family, you know, which at the time was a, I mean, I can't say they're not still righteous, but they were very much a revolutionary formation. Mm-hmm. Um, when he was killed, matter of fact, they had to, they, it, he wasn't killed in the first actual rebellion. He was killed in the second one. You know what I'm saying? Most people think he was killed in the first one. He was killed in the second one. And probably I'll leave it right there. I tell people to get on Google. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, I know him more through his revolutionary actions Mm -hmm. and um, his writings, which is hell of a... George Jackson was a hell of a theoretician. Mm -hmm. And most people don't know that. Mm -hmm. You know, um, they just look at him as a brother and the struggle and the things that he was willing to do because of his thinking they don't ever look at the thinking but they think about the things that he was wanting to do because of his thinking so we're going to link it in the bio for this episode but um we're going to uh bring in some quotes and some analysis from this article we came across called prisoner prophet revisiting george jackson's analysis of systemic fascism so we're going to get into some of that uh the theoretical advancements he made for our, our people our struggle Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, especially considering fascism and what it means within um, the political economy of this country, of this society. Oh, yes. So um, let's just start with this first quote right here uh, that I got in the notes. Um, cor- so this is what he says of fascism. Corporative uh, ideals have reached their logical conclusion in the U.S. The new corporate state has fought its way through crisis after crisis, established its ruling elites in every important institution, formed its partnership with labor through its elites, erected the most massive network of protective agencies replete with spies, technical and animal, to be found in any police state in the world. The violence of the ruling class of this country in the long process of its trend toward authoritarianism and its last and highest state fascism cannot be rivaled in its excesses by any other nation on the earth today or in history. Hmm. So he's talking about the app, the various apparatuses, institutions that are erected uh, to protect the elites of this society, whether it be the state, the economy, the the, mm-hmm. pr- the private class, the the capitalist class, I should say, and um, the 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 partnerships made, you know, what I'm saying between, say, the elites and academia, yeah, you know, what I'm saying, or, or the state and academia to protect their their collective interests, yeah, you know, so and, and that's one area maybe I focus on a lot. I think I focus on a lot is how the ideas that legitimate our colonial conditions, our colonial condition, our this fascist condition, are made in the academy. You know what I'm saying, and then are utilized by the media, are embedded within uh, media and and, and and politics, of course. Uh, but yeah, what do you think about this first quote? I, I mean, that first that first that first sentence stands out to me because he said the corporative ideals have reached their logical conclusion in the USS. I mean, the USA. You know, and. That's like saying, like, literally, it all kick. The USA is, like, the ultimate brainchild 
of colonialism. Mm. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Rooted from the um the feudal times of Europe and um you know it's in the mercantile era and all of those different times search exploration coming all the way down going through britain enslavement colonization all that good well not all that good shit, all that fucked up shit that they do um then you get the united states and it's built straight on the foundation of all of that why would you expect to get anything else mm. You know, and then I like the fact of when he goes into those aspects of how that system is set up, partnership with labor network, protective agency, spies, all, you know what I'm saying? That's the state. Mm-hmm. That's the state. And all this institutions. And that's our experience. All this important institutions. Yeah. And, I, and we have to remember, George Jackson is uh, what we would consider to be a new African. So people call ADOS, whatever, you know what I'm saying? Your brother, he he born of this. Mm-hmm. So I I definitely take his 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 his, his, his the way he the way he framed that is perfectly right based on the experience we have. Yeah. Definitely. You know what I'm saying? It's like it, it you could tell that's coming from the the core of what's going on with us and what it has been. Because the history shouldn't be a mystery on that right there. We 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 were we were developed as a people in a fascist system. Mm-hmm. So all right, let, let's read this quote. I got the end. Then we'll come back up. Uh, this is again from George Jackson. It is simply an arrangement of an established capitalist economy, an attempt to renew, perpetuate, and legitimize the economy's rulers. By circumflexing and weighing down, diffusing a revolutionary consciousness pushing from below. Fascism must be seen as an episodically logical stage in the socioeconomic development of capitalism in a state of crisis. It is the result of a revolutionary thrust that was weak and miscarried a consciousness that was compromised. Compromised. Mm. So, I I think he I mean he's really getting into the dialectics of struggle here, where he's he's saying that fascism is the result of a revolutionary thrust that was weak and carried a false consciousness. So, uh, and I mean, uh, what do you think about that, Aki? That's what we're seeing under Trump. Mm. The 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 accumulation of everything right now. Notice we starting to see black I mean white militia's been around for a long time. Mm. That ain't nothing new. But you didn't see them. You see what I'm saying? You didn't see them. They didn't come out. Now, the capitalist society, I mean, I mean, I can say it in this way. Even black people, even black capitalists are threatened by this. But in the sense of the, the, the white capitalists, they're threatened. Because, and I'm not saying white capitalists, just the white, the white population, period. See, the poor white man was manipulated by racism. To make him feel better. Even though he was being exploited too. But they gave him the promise that you white. You still can get access to the American dream. Now, we coming to the stage they had to go through Barack. <laughs> for eight years. Now they got Trump. He talked like them. And that whole time period that we just now coming up into here. That's what you've been hearing them talk about. 
You know, preparing. You've been seeing these militias pop up. Yeah, that's where we at right now. Mm-hmm. It's, it's think about even with fascism in its traditional sense with Mussolini. That was a result of a revolutionary a revolution that was taking place. That wasn't, you know, a failed revolution. Mm-hmm. You know, that was resulted out of that. Mm-hmm. You know, and then you got him. And that's what took place. Yeah. Yeah, and you're right. I think we're seeing it here. Um and I, I and I think it's um it, it's a it's a good description of a of a process that we see renewing itself over yeah. and over again. Yeah. Uh we see it within the black struggle, you know what I'm saying, mm-hmm. in, in ways that we comment on a lot. Yeah. Where false consciousness is leading to uh, a weak revolutionary push, a weak revolutionary thrust that is, uh, you know, aiding fascism, aiding the empowerment of fascism Mm -hmm. by, uh, you know, uh, misleading more and more of us into the type of rugged individualism, you know what I'm saying, that undergirds a lot of what, um, I guess, uh, you know, suppresses revolutionary consciousness, you know. I mean... um yeah, I can definitely see to even even right now. I mean, we've had many revolu we've had many we have many we've we've had many experiences as black people in America of fascism. We had a civil war. Had a revolutionary war. Mm-hmm. Let alone from that, you look at some of the um formations that we have formed from the 50s and the 60s that turned into some other stuff. Because of, you know, maybe lack of momentum and state repression. Fascism always shows up when, when people start contemplating revolution. Mm-hmm. So let's get into uh, more of this quote. Again, from George Jackson. Fascism has established itself in a most disguised and efficient manner in this country. It feels so secure that the leaders allow us the luxury of a faint protest. Oh, we see that all the time, Marquis. Come on. They love that. They love the faint protest. George Jackson is spot on right here. Let's keep it. Oh, yeah. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead, Aki. You got that. Let's see. Take protests too far, however, and they will show their other face. True. This, the violence of fascism is always just under the surface, waiting to reveal itself. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Just like, what, episode eight of Lovecraft Country where the monster jumped out to save Tick? <laughs> yeah, y'all know <laughs> But it, it, that's how quick the violence of fashion will, will show itself when necessary. Yeah, they talk all that peaceful shit till y'all come out and get in some G shit. And <laughs> <laughs> this really what happens. Uh, yeah, Aki didn't get that Lovecraft Country uh, reference. Yeah, but yeah <laughs> I need to see the show, man. I'm I'm, I'm late behind. I'm a little behind. All right, so it says, George Jackson continues, doors will be kicked in in the night. Machine gun fire and buckshot will become the medium of exchange. The, the, establ- I'm sorry, the establishment does everything in its power to ensure that revolutionary rage is redirected into empty outlets which provide pressure releases for desires that could become dangerous if allowed to progress. That black man a prophet. Bruh, come on now. You know what I'm saying? That's a straight profit right there. And for us to see this today. Like right now, if you're looking at all of this right now, that's right there. After what we've been discussing <laughs> right, yeah. and talking about, you know what I'm saying, through the past few weeks, bro. Man. So let, let's just it's break a good down. Good ass the, article, damn it. Bruh. Like, 
Let's uh, actually, right before I proceed, let me just shout out the name of this. Uh, this is from MR Online, this article from MR Online, and it's written by Colin Jenkins. It's uh, from 2018. But uh, yeah, please, once again, check it out. It's called Prisoner Prophet. Good article, but also master quotes from George Jackson. Make me want to go read some more George Jackson. I thought I didn't read shit. Nah. And I ain't, yeah, not yeah. even... Got to get on him in this fastest thing, because he probably got mm. the answer for it right now. So revolutionary rage, we know so much. I'm not trying to set, I'm not trying to put it on a pedestal above any other group or genres rage, but yeah. the black masculine rage against our colonialism. Yeah, that rage is suppressed. I can, and I'm speaking to that one because I know it personally. Oh yeah, you know and, I, and you know, so not not to disregard any other. Uh, people's rage being misplaced or marginalized or, or, or suppressed but that black masculine rage is so suppressed in this country it's oh bruh well listen just, let's just put it wrong redirect it into empty outlets <laughs> go ahead I we hear. needed this quote this week <laughs> but uh man yeah yeah that's definitely what it is so like um like I say, when we get mad and we get to tearing up shit, mm. you'll see what happens. God forbid we get organized in what we start tearing up mm. and how we move around. And when we did do organized formations, we seen what they would do. I mean, the Panthers in L.A. were literally killed out. Let's not disregard. George Jackson is saying that the fascism of this state, of this society, is within every institution. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's being managed, controlled, overseen by the elites of these institutions. Yeah. And, you know, part of this fascism, its goal is to weigh down and suppress revolutionary consciousness. Exactly. Right? The awareness. So, so we know that educa- the higher education, research institutions that produce theories, produce frameworks, like, mm-hmm. you know, the ones we name all the time that are then used by the media and the politicians. We, th- this is all directly connected, Aki. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is and so when we call these things fascism, when we say that there's fascism in the U.S. academy, yeah, in academia, within politics, mm-hmm. within you know uh, labor, yeah, you know what I'm saying the suppression of revolutionary consciousness in all its forms, such as the marginalization of, say, let's just say African American male leaders, yeah, you know what I'm saying uh, the the fascist ideas that are birthed to uh, you know dissuade. Uh, you know, solidarity to to uh, make caricatures to uh, you know and you know encourage people to lean on their fears and biases instead of you know really trying to really taking the full view of a group or a person. Yeah, you know these things are encouraged by fascism. It, you know, it, it's really wetting the the fabric of our society. Well, it's you... not just it, it's not just the police kicking down your door. That's if they they don't suppress you enough. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? If you peek above their suppression and resist enough. Mm-hmm. That's when they they kick down your doors, but everything before that is also fascism. Yeah. Well, the be- the, the 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 thing that makes that so real is this: we have an era where we have these sham protests. Now I'm not knocking protests, but then I ask, what really comes out to protest? As we've seen, we haven't really gotten justice for none of the brothers or sisters. Who have been murdered by police? The suppression and the state, oh, the the state repression against the people. You know what I'm saying? We hadn't gotten nothing out of that, and we've been protesting for a while. 
Let us go out there and start doing. Let uh, NFAC start doing some formations. Mm. They don't even got to be doing that. They just can be doing straight military formations. The police is going to be there. You're going to see it. Let it actually be an actual encounter between two groups where the people are not going and they are willing to do what they need to do. Um, yeah, you'll see. Mm-hmm. You know, they pass fire, so I'll pay somebody, I'll give somebody a big check, and they go about their business. Mm-hmm. So, um, definitely see the writing on the wall. Facts. <laughs> Facts. All right, so let's read uh, this one last quote from uh, our brother, Prophet George. He says about fascism. One has to understand that the fascist arrangement tolerates the existence of no valid revolutionary activity. Let's just stop there. Mm. So we should know that the fascist arrangement of this country... <laughs> what it, what it, the, the so-called revolutionary activity that it does allow to exist, that it partners with, yeah, that is that that it, it 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 is able to bring into the electoral campaign cycle. That's a release valve for that real revolutionary energy. That's why it allows it to exist. That's wow. That's a hell of a way. That's a hell of a critique. A way to critique so-called revolutionary groups. Mm-hmm. I mean, and honestly, back in the day, they say some people used to be like that. If the police ain't looking for y'all, hmm. y'all ain't doing nothing. Hmm. If they ain't watching you, the feds ain't watching you, you ain't really out here doing nothing. You know, now, I ain't saying I agree with that, but I do remember hearing that from some of the elders that that used to be a statement. So, and it sort of makes true. If somebody was really about change, Marcus Garvey wasn't allowed to stay. Hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Malcolm, as soon as he got from out of the protection nation of Islam, we're getting rid of him. Mm. You know, that, that's just what it is. So let's read that line one more time. One has to understand that the fascist arrangement tolerates the existence of no valid revolutionary activity. It has programmed into its very nature a massive, complex, an automatic defense mechanism mm. for all our old methods for raising the consciousness of a potentially revolutionary class of people. It has programmed into its very nature a massive, complex, and automatic defense mechanism to suppress our revolutionary consciousness, consciousness to suppress our revolutionary traditions. And, and, and who's to say that it wouldn't take it as far to suppress our traditions of resistance that are rooted in, say, things such as African femininity, African masculinity, in as many various forms, many various manifestations in different cultures and ethnic groups. Mm -hmm. Um, But we know that these concepts were present and can be discerned. So, I mean... That's something right there. I need to highlight that. Defense... Automatic defense mechanism. That's a hell of a thing right there. So, so if if, if this fascist state knows that black men coming together, yeah, with economic power, self determination, mm-hmm. and and organizing, yeah, is a threat to the fascist state. Yeah, it's going to develop an automatic defense mechanism that is both that that will ki- either kick in the doors mm-hmm. or take away the support you, you know what I'm saying for such a for, for such a grouping mm-hmm. 
That's that's deep right there. That's real deep right there. Defense, an automatic defense mechanism. Right. And it definitely does exist. A massive complex one in every institution. Mm. So we should, we, we as revolutionaries, we should be seeking out its manifestations in all these institutions. Yeah. Yeah. You know like... I'm gonna go home and write now, on. Instead, we're tr- we're trying to compete to integrate into these institutions, but that's a <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? And that, don't get me wrong; those defensive mechanisms are in the institutions that we do have. Mm-hmm. Some of them are saturated in the black institutions. Mm-hmm. We can see it in black academia and the institutions with that. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Um, you definitely see it in, um, to some extent, you've been seeing it in churches for a long time. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So. Devilish. Let's keep this quote going. Um, it says, The essence of a USA totalitarian socio-political capitalism is concealed behind the illusion of a mass participatory society. We must rip away its mask. Then the debate can end and we can enter a new phase of struggle based on the development of an armed revolutionary culture that will triumph. We have to rip away the mask that mm-hmm. this is true, that, that, that this is a participatory democracy. Truly a democracy. Or it can be. You got to come, it, you got to break the, the veil of delusion of inclusion. Then the debate can end. Mm-hmm. If, if we're not establishing for our people and answering that question, ripping away that mask for our people, mm-hmm. we will never be able to connect the importance of this vote to them. Not not on the mass level that, that Malcolm X called for. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Now, even with all that being said, do I still feel like voting as revolutionaries, as conscious folk is important? I do. We should meet mm-hmm. the people where they're at. You know, we, we shouldn't, you know, hide from, you know, uh, our failures as a vanguard or our failures as a revolutionary conscious yeah. collective. Mm-hmm. Or not, or, or not our failures, but just our our progress with where it's at right now. You can yeah. look at it from both ways. We should look at it from both ways. Yeah. yeah. Um. But yeah, Aki, what you got? Man, it, you know George is getting nasty in this. I didn't like I say. I know George get nasty, but I didn't know George get like that. You know what I'm saying? That veil, that wall of illusion. That's something big. Um, you hear that comment amongst people where we talk about, uh, or not even talk about, you can hear it in definitely in news cycles. You have these black people, and that ties back into the earlier part of the quote, but you have these black people that sit in positions, and they actually believe in America. They believe in it. Fuck all the history, fuck all the experience, I believe in this. You see what I'm saying? And especially right now, you sort of seeing a little bit of that veil being ripped off. You know what I'm saying? Black people are, have been talking differently than what they have been talking. You know, even even short time as the, uh, Barack Obama's presidency, you know, politically. Um, and yeah, it's a job of revolutionaries to rip off that veil. But we got we to gotta rip it off with truth and give them something... Like, just like us reading this article right here. I mean, reading these quotes from the, the brother. Like, I I think if I gave this to someone, let them read that, they'll look at this differently. Mm, that, that's real. They'll look at this completely differently because they can see he's pointing out something that you can actually see 
right now. And if you can't see it, all you got to do is have a person around you to point to the thing. To show it, to, to, to at least just point to the situation, to give an example. It didn't work directly. But you got to tear that veil off. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Make them turn them from being deaf, dumb, and blind. Yeah. Which reminds me, Aki, you know, to remind the people. If you ain't shared this podcast, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> liked it, you know what I'm saying? Supported it. We do ask you to, you know, share it around to your people. Kim folk, you know, because maybe our discussion of fascism, our discussion of George Jackson will get them to look at the world around them differently. You know? That's who we're trying to reach. Most definitely. You know what I'm saying? We're trying to reach the folk that, you know, not the, not just the folk that have are have developed this consciousness mm. of how this world works. Yeah. Especially how it oppress and colonize black folk. But also those the people that are still developing their thoughts are still trying to, you know, uh, find more support for how they already feel. Mm -hmm. that, that want a better understanding of how they feel and how they already perceive things, you know. So hopefully we're contributing to that political education side of things. So make sure you're sharing it. Uh, but with that being said, in conclusion, Aki, you know, what, what are some of the biggest takeaways, you know, that uh, you want to get from this conversation? You know, so we had the conversation of the election. And our vote, uh, and, and we talked about you know fascism and if it's here or not, you know. So, what, what are some of the, the takeaways that you know you want to walk away with? Um, one, we live in fascism already. We began in fascism as a people. We've always had fascism. Um, two, whatever decision you make. And your vote Be able to deal with the potential consequences of it And be prepared to do the work Always gotta have a plan B mm. Okay you go vote You may not vote You may vote for Trump Right But are you prepared And are the people prepared To handle what's gonna come from that mm -hmm. You know And just to get into George Jackson <sighs> Everything the man said is going on right now. I don't even got to say no more, Aki. Prophet George on that one. Yeah, just got to uh, read the article. So my thoughts on voting, my, my final thoughts on, on the whole voting thing, I really think about my namesake, Kwame Ture, Stokely Carmichael, mm -hmm. and what he, and I read about this in his autobiography, uh, Ready for Revolution. And uh, he wrote about some of the, I guess, organizing style that he walked into SNCC with. That he, or that he developed within SNCC as a leader, as a participant, you know, as, as an organizer. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, his, his position was, you know, even if my position is not the popular decision in the collective I'm part of, you know, I'm going to um, initially work with the people on the position that was decided, even maybe outwork them on their position, you know what I'm saying? And then once the contradictions rise, once that position doesn't work, as my analysis before... Uh, said it wouldn't You know what I'm saying mm -hmm. uh, Once those contradictions rise People will be more open yeah. You know what I'm saying And I think it's important That we recognize There is a collective energy Within our people As far as how we see The vote historically And now yeah. You know So um, I think You know I think there's a strong argument To be made for The importance of voting Just on You know If we want to meet the people You know what I'm saying Where we're at popularly With the vote yeah. Popularly We believe the vote is a way for change and you know mm -hmm. uh you know and and i think that you know good po positive political momentum can come from uh i think increased participation yeah 
because uh, I, I think you know what 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 is required of of increased participation in in the electoral process, given the suppression of our vote already. Yeah, it's organization. Oh yes, you know what I'm saying. It's organization. Yeah. Yes. We we have to be organized to vote at higher levels, mm-hmm. and our people are already, you know, like we said, kind of prepped for the importance of voting. So maybe that's one way, mm-hmm. one way of many. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Of course, I think my focus is more on the cultural ways to reach people. Yeah. But I can't deny the importance of, uh, you know, the uh, the voting process. So. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, it's going to be many options and people going to make many decisions. Mm-hmm. Some people are going to vote from an individual standpoint, what's best for me and my family. And then some people are going to vote from a group perspective, what's best for me in the group, the nation, you know. So um, I always keep that in mind. If you're voting for yourself, you can get caught up in the sauce. Mm -hmm. You vote for your people, you know, your outcome will come out much, much better. Yeah, let's not just complain that the conditions of the ballot of the bullet that Malcolm X wished for, you know what I'm saying, mm-hmm. that that we could utilize our vote in that, that collective manner that he, he proposed to us in that speech. Yes. Just because those conditions aren't met yet, uh, do we abandon the process? You know exactly. what I'm saying? Um, I, I think that's a, a question we have to reckon with. And like, like you said, I'm not coming at nobody for the decision, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But this is a position I feel. And, uh, you know, beyond that, we got major, major work to do. Yes. Uh, but, yeah. But my my position is uh, let's get involved. Let's get organized. And if voting is the uh, style of the day, mm-hmm. let's uh, let's work hard at it. You know what I'm saying? And maybe get our friends signed up to vote. Maybe get some of our, you know what I'm saying, engaged in that process. And, um, you know, but let that just be a piece of it. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Let, can't let, be the whole thing. Let, Voting is just a tool. Let let that just be a manifestation of our increased involvement. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Let that just our be increased political awareness. Exactly. Let that just be a piece of it. So, all right, y'all. I think that's all we got for episode 16. You got anything else? Uh, I don't think it's nothing else. Yeah. I mean, you know, everybody know about the uh, the white the proud boys popping at the government. Oh yeah, we talked about that. We yeah. talked about that. Yeah, okay. yeah. We good. We good. All yeah. right, y'all. Free to land. Free to land.